Today we're going to, in fact, as you saw in the video announcements, uh, talk about joy. Uh, Brother Don, you talked about that in our communion time. Thank you for leading us in communion. Um, but the best Christmas ever, we started last week with talking about hope. And uh, this week we're going to add to that, uh, that recipe of the best Christmas ever. We're going to add the ingredient of, of joy. So let's bow our heads in prayer today as we move into our time of studying God's Word. Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you that it's a lamp to our feet and it's a light to our path. We thank you, Lord, that as we revolve ourselves around your, your Word, that, that your Word brings strength to us and clarity and encouragement and correction and help and all of the things that we need. So, Father, we open up our hearts to you this morning. Holy Spirit, come and speak to us a word that's going to not only change our lives forever, but that we can walk out what, what we're going to be receiving here this morning. Help us to receive your word, not just to be informational today, but let it be transformational today. What, what you want to do, Holy Spirit, we yield to you what you want to do to minister your word to our lives so that you can equip us to go out from this place and be all that you've called us to be in this Christmas season in our communities, in our um, in our homes, in our schools, in our workplaces, and in this busy, busy time of year, that we would stop and recognize what you would want to speak to our lives today. Father, we prioritize this gathering here today, and we have an expectation of receiving from you. So pour into us what you desire to pour into us, and we'll be eternally grateful to you, Lord Jesus. And we thank you for this in your name. And all God's people said amen. <clears throat> so I want to start off with a few quotes this morning that talks about joy. And uh, so some familiar people, maybe some of you might recognize these names, some famous preachers of days gone by. Charles Spurgeon is the first one. And this is he's a little more uh, eloquent in his speech. So he's going to use some words here and some sentence structure that is a little maybe more complex. But I'll read it a little slower so we can kind of absorb it because it doesn't necessarily roll off here. But this is what he said. He said, there's a marvelous medicinal power in joy. So he's comparing joy to a medicine. Most medicines are distasteful. How many can say amen to that? But this, which is the best of all medicines, is sweet to the taste and comforting to the heart. This blessed joy is very contagious. One distressful spirit brings a kind of plague into the house. One person who is wretched seems to stop all the birds from singing wherever he goes. But the grace of joy is contagious. Holy joy, listen to this, will oil the wheels of your life's machinery. I love that. And holy joy will strengthen you for your daily labor. There's something about holy joy. And I love how he words that. This one's a little more attainable. R.A. Torrey, another minister from days gone by, he says, there is more joy in Jesus in 24 hours than there is in the world in 365 days. And then he continues by saying, I know because I've tried them both. And finally, a minister by the name of Robert Rainey, who kind of, I think, borrowed heavily from a chorus because I know a song that actually has this phrase in it. But he tweaked it a little bit, and he says, Joy is the flag which is flown from the castle of the heart when the king is in residence there. 
Isn't that good? Oh, I hope that by the end of this service today that we will place that flag of joy in the highest part of our heart because the king is in residence in all of us today. Amen? So, I, again, I, I'm thankful as we talked about last week as we started with, with the element or the foundation really of hope of having the best Christmas ever. I, one of my favorite movies, the, the clean version of it without all the silly swear words in it, and there's, there's the version of this is Christmas Vacation. I'm sorry, I just love that movie. It, <clears throat> Chevy Chase is, is so idealistic. Clark Griswold is going to have the perfect best Christmas, and it ends up being completely opposite of what he had hoped for. And that's the humor in the movies because we can relate to it and how he, he, he has this idyllic approach to just everything being perfect, the food, the decorations, the family, and it just all falls apart. And I think a lot of times we approach Christmas that way, where this year is going to be the best Christmas ever, and then we look on the backside of it and go, man, that was an absolute disaster, or it wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be. There's always going to be room for like disappointment and failure and stuff when we look on the back end of Christmas, isn't there? Because I think we set ourselves up to think all the family's going to get along. I mean, you might as well just stop it right there. You know, nothing's going to burn in the oven. Okay, so maybe something, you know, the presents are not necessarily going to be what you thought. You have an expectation of presents and they don't quite turn out like what you think, that sort of stuff. And we kind of walk away with kind of a, a, a little emptier, empty taste in our mouth. Like, really? That just didn't quite measure up because we set ourselves up for, for failure, don't we? But today I want us to look a little bit at how we can take this element of joy and hope and then add a couple of more elements to it as we go along here. I'm going to bake a beautiful cake of the best Christmas ever by the time we get finished with this in the next couple of weeks. Uh, last week we talked about hope in this pursuit of the best Christmas ever. And, and, and we talked about how establishing this foundation of hope is really establishing the hope that we have in the person of Jesus Christ. He'll never disappoint you. He'll never fail you. He'll never leave you. And our hope is truly founded on Jesus Christ, the best hope that the world has ever known. It's the best news that the world has ever known. I'm so thankful that on our worst day, on my worst day, in any circumstance that I might be going through, that no matter what may be going on around me or this, in this world, Jesus is still with me. Amen? Amen? Jesus is still with us today. And he's calling us to allow this hope that we have in him to overflow. Remember we talked about that joy that we have that overflows? There's a destination to that overflow and it's to other people that desperately need the overflow of hope that is in our life. And that overflow comes out, remember that verse we read, read it was in Romans chapter 15, it overflows in, in peace and also in joy. And we're going to talk about joy this morning. We'll talk about peace uh, in a couple of weeks. But I want to ask you this, that overflow that we talked about last week, that overflow of hope, and I gave you an assignment. And I said, now, don't forget now from this place, because we're getting equipped here. Every Sunday we get equipped. And every Sunday after we leave, we go out and we do. We're having church and we go out and be the church, right? And so that overflow of hope, how did that go this week? How did, how did you allow that hope that you have in Christ to overflow in your interactions with people? Did you, on one side, get impatient with the person 
uh, that cuts you off in traffic or that you have to stand in another long line at a grocery store or at Walmart or someplace because everybody is coming out of the woodworks and, sh woodworks and shopping right now? Have you, have you lost your patience? Have you, have you gotten angry? Have you been, have you, been you know, stressed out and, and missed opportunities that you've had, been able to have to share your hope? Or have you done? Did you share the hope that you have in Christ with somebody who's maybe in despair and maybe not doing too well and maybe they're the ones that are angry or impatient, they're grumbling about the long lines? How you been doing with that? Did you have an opportunity? I hope so. If not, or if you didn't take advantage of those opportunities, how about this week? Let's be Christ and let's be the church and let's be that hope that the world is in desperate need of and that is living inside of us. His name, of Je His name is Jesus. Amen? Amen? Amen. So today we're going to add to this hope the ingredient of joy. And I didn't say happiness. Happiness is entirely different than joy because happiness comes and goes. Happiness is based, happiness is, it comes and goes because it's based on uh, temporary things and, 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 and things that just won't last, things that kind of come and go. I'm so thankful, though, that joy is eternal because it's based upon our relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're looking about that this morning and kind of flesh that out a little bit. And Jesus never changes. Jesus never leaves us or forsakes us. So I want us to open up to Luke chapter 2 to a very familiar story. In your Bibles, Luke chapter 2, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Right there it is, Luke chapter 2, second chapter. We're going to start with the eighth verse. And I'll give you time to hear them. I hear the pages rustling. That's good. Some of you, I hear the people swiping your phones and getting to the Bible app. And others, you say, oh, why would I bring my Bible? The words are up on the screen. Well, bring your Bible because you need to know where Luke is in the Bible instead of it being up on the screen. And all of you who are at home today also, open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, and we welcome you here as well. Those of you who are viewing on Facebook Live, we're so glad to have you. Luke chapter 2, <clears throat> starting in verse 8. It says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Not all three of them were lying in a manger, by the way. It was just the babe lying in a manger. I want you to give visual there, okay? And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. Good news of great joy. Now, I want to show you some images. When I was a child, you can look it up on the screen here, and 
Those are those pictures that I, there you go. You see those guys right there? Anybody know who those guys are? Anybody would holler it out? Yeah. Now, how many knows that because you had one when you were a child? Raise your hand. Steve, okay, everybody here got it. All right, good. Did you get, now, let me ask you this. Did you have the smaller ones or the bigger ones? The bigger ones, right? Those, those are the real ones. Who's these little guys here? They can't fight anybody. These big dudes. Remember the real hair? I mean, the fuzzy kind of hair that they had? That's what these guys are. And when I was about 10 years old, my mom and my dad, who are here today, part of Faith Assembly, so glad to have them here, moved from Chattanooga a few months ago. But they, when we were, I was about 10 years old, we lived in Rialto, California. And I don't know what happened that year. I guess my dad got sold a lot of cars, got a bonus or something. Boy, it was a bumper year for Christmas presents that year. It was a great year. And that year, I got a couple of G.I. Joes. I got one of them really cool helicopters like that. How many got, you've seen one of them, remember that when you was a kid? I mean, that thing was cool. And then I also got this uh, amphibious, is that what you call it? An amphibious vehicle? Amphibious? It, it, you know, you can go in water. Remember the kind that goes in water, it floats like a boat, but also goes on land? I got one of those. And all the little extra stuff, see all those little extra things like a little pickaxe and a net and all the shovels and all that? I got all that extra stuff. On that Christmas morning that day, I could not believe my eyes. I was so excited. I got up that morning and those gifts were there and I played with them forever it felt like. Not only that day, but for weeks and months to come. And I just loved those things. That was a great Christmas that year. And I, I remember those gifts as a very special you know, Christmas, a memorable Christmas. You probably had some memorable Christmases too where you can hold up your gifts and say, I remember on that easy bake oven that I got or that, you know, that other, whatever you got. It's just a very important special Christmas for you. I remember when I was a kid, Steve, my brother and I, Steve and I would uh, get the Sears catalog. How many remember the Sears catalog? I'm not talking about the kind you use for toilet paper. That goes way back. I'm talking about in our generation, the Sears catalog, right? And boy, you open it up to the toy section, right? And there's a lot of stuff in there, but who cares about all them clothes, right, guys and girls? When he's a kid, you go to the toy section. And I remember circling stuff that I wanted. And I probably circled a ton of stuff. My mom and dad probably looked at it and said, ain't no way we can afford it, you know? But, oh, I want that. I want that. We'd dog ear the corners and all that and give it to my parents, and then they would get none of it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> they would get some of it, what they could afford. Uh, and that was always kind of a fun time of going to the Sears catalog. How many, can, how many did that? Remember that? Yeah. And then also, I remember too, my parents would get presents and they'd put them under the tree. And it wasn't always that Santa would show up that morning and all of a sudden there's presents. I mean, they would be there two, three, four weeks before. Remember that? And you'd get there. And I remember many times I would lay there on my belly and just stare at those packages and they'd be this close to me, you know? <laughs> And the lights would be reflecting and doing all kinds of stuff. And it was so magical and wonderful. And I would, every once in a while, take one of those gifts and I'd shake it and move it around a little bit and wonder what was in there because it has my name on it. So I know this is mine and I don't know what it is. Socks? Oh, no. No, it wasn't socks. But I would always imagine what was in those boxes, you know? And it would always be these cool toys and these great things, matchbox cars and Hot Wheels and all them cool guy toys, you know? Oh, I love that stuff. But you know what about having those presents? There's a lot of excitement on Christmas Day. But that excitement eventually faded. Because in January and February and March rolled around and April and May. And the toys that were so new and exciting and wonderful. And you just couldn't wait to get your hands on them and play with them and do stuff with them. It just kind of like ended up 
kind of getting into the closet more and not as much used, not as much played with. And that newness kind of wore off. And then all of a sudden, boy, you start keeping your eye on another sort of toy that you see because your birthday's coming around or maybe something else, you know. So the toy that you got, that you just couldn't live without, or let's fast forward to where we are today, some of us grown-ups, that whatever item it is that you're just hoping that your spouse or that your friend or whoever gets for you. I guarantee you that in a year or two or three, that that gift will end up either in your closet, at a yard sale, or in the landfill. Because these gifts that we have, that we're going to be exchanging with one another, as good as they are, and as wonderful as it is to have Christmas, <clears throat> are going to fade. Those gifts that we expect to give us joy, that we long for in life, are going to make us greatly disappointed if we hinge our joy on things. We have to find another source of joy, don't we? <clears throat> that doesn't fade when something new comes along. <clears throat> so Christmas, we know, is a season of joy. We just sang about it this morning. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. We just read about it this morning, how the shepherds <clears throat> heard this great news of exceeding great joy, which shall be to all people. Christmas being a season of joy, we see it all around that simple three-letter word, joy. However, most of us would, I think, in the world, gauge joyfulness on maybe circumstantial things. If you're listening today at home, you're listening to this maybe in this congregation today, how about this? Do you base your joy on how the visit turned out with your in-laws? Do, do you base your joy on how the food was or, 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 or if it was quote-unquote perfect, the old Griswold family Christmas? Or how many gifts did you get? So I got 10 and he only got five, so I win. Did you get all the things that you wanted this Christmas? Is that how you're basing your joy this, this Christmas season? Is that, is that how you've done it in the past? See, because the problem is when our joy is based on circumstances or things, it isn't joy at all. It's just temporary happiness. And again, nothing wrong with that. Those toys that I received as a child, mom and dad, I just wanted to let you know, I, I really appreciate it. I know that they were sacrificially given. And I had a lot of fun with them. But I would venture to say, unfortunately, that all the toys that you got me, except for just a handful of Hot Wheels and Matchbox cards that I've saved, I really have. I got them in a bag. Because I'm thinking they're going to be worth some money down the road somewhere. I could sell them on eBay, you know. <clears throat> but I've saved those cards. I got them in my little box. But I would venture to say that all the rest of that stuff you guys gave me, Probably in a landfill somewhere. <clears throat> Thank you for them. But they're in a landfill. I would say for all of us too. There's no way that you kept all the stuff that you've gotten over Christmas. So how can we overcome this disappointment that we set ourselves up to experience when it doesn't turn out like we had hoped for? The gifts and the experiences and, and all the things that are really bring momentary pleasure. And those momentary pleasures fade as the setting sun. To experience the best Christmas ever as we're looking at over the next several weeks, is to experience joy that transcends the relentless holiday hype, which I'm up to here with. Christmas is, as it was intended, an announcement about the arrival of the Savior of the world who would rescue us from our sin and give us real life on earth 
and eternal life in heaven. That's what Christmas is all about. Now, this announcement by the angels to the shepherds that night of all nights that changed the world and that has reverberated through the ages to this very day is the very reason why we can experience joy, real joy, lasting joy, this Christmas and every Christmas. It's the joy that's not based on material circumstances or the unattainable and fleeting perfection of what we imagine our Christmas should be, but it's instead based on Jesus and his presence in our lives. This deep and abiding and resilient joy is found in Christ alone. Now, truth be told, you don't always feel joy, do you? If you ever go to Barnes & Noble or some other bookstore, you go through the quick self-help section of the bookstore, you're going to reveal dozens and dozens of books about happiness and joy and positivity. There's a lot of money to be made in that because it's evident that joy is something on a lot of people's minds, and rightfully so because joy feels good. It's a great experience to feel joy. You know, so as we're making our plans to buy gifts on the Christmas list that you guys are making, if you haven't done it yet, if you're one of the last-minute people, or you're still in the, you know, the thick of this thing, as you're making a list to get others a gift for this Christmas, let's not forget the most important thing is that God has given us a pile of gifts as well. It's quite a list, in fact. Uh, it's a spiritual fruit basket. How many ever gotten a fruit basket for Christmas or just for other sorts of gifts? Yeah. So there's a spiritual fruit, fruit basket Hope it's not, I hope it wasn't in, in place of a, uh, of a bonus or anything like that, a check. Yeah, but anyway, maybe an addition to it would be nice. But there's a spiritual fruit basket that God has beautifully prepared for us. A big, beautiful bow on the top. And joy, you read the list, is just right at the top of the heap. Listen to this. We know these, uh, this list is found in Galatians chapter 5. It'll be on your screen, verses 22 and 23. And we see that joy immediately follows love. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, then there's peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So you think, well, okay, it had to come somewhere, so why not second as well as ninth? They're all just as important. And I would, wouldn't argue with on that. But then let's look one more time at another verse because we may think that it's just a list, but I don't think it's, I think it's more than a coincidence that actually the Apostle Peter wrote in his letter in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, he said, though you have not seen him, you love him. So there's the word love again, right? And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious what? Joy. Well, there that word is again. So, I mean, they, they kind of go hand in hand there. For Peter, the apostle Peter, his love of Christ and his, and his belief in Christ produces inexpressible and glorious joy. How about you this morning? When you think about Jesus and who he is and all he's done for you and what he's preparing for you, do you experience inexpressible and glorious joy? Is that the first thing that comes to your heart? Is Oh, it's a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. And the half has never yet been told, as the old hymn says. If that's not your go-to emotion as you think about what God has done for you and that love that you have for Him, how about asking the Holy Spirit to help you with this? Because He will. It's a fruit of the what? The Spirit. 
It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And some of us look at the glass half empty. I get it. That's how we're, that's how we're wired. And some of us, it's more easy, it's more natural for us to be glass half full. And boy, we're all positive and everything's joyful. And some of you that are more negative can't stand those people that are joyful. I get that, you know. And some of you that are joyful don't like being around the people that are negative. I get that. We're just all wired differently. But if you tend to lean more towards glass half empty, the Lord can help you to say, you know what? At least there's something in there and there's something to be joyful about. And God can help you with that. That, that, that. Ask the Holy Spirit to bring you that joy to bring you that life that, that produces joy because of that love that you have for God and the appreciation that you have for what Christ has done for you. There's a lot of people around us today that are living in sorrow. It's true. They're living in anxiety. They're stressed out. And we as Christians, let me hear you, just let me, listen to this. We as Christians need to be the most joyful people of all people. Because of our belief in Christ. And it's that good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. It's in us. Let's let it pour out from us. That overflow of joy because of the hope we have in Christ Jesus. Oh, it's so needed in this world today. And just as Peter wrote, even though we can't see Jesus, we can't walk with Jesus, we can't eat with him like the first disciples did, we can ex still experience a deep and abiding joy in our love for him. As he walks with us, he does, and he talks with us through his Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of Christ in us. So Christmas in particular is a season that reminds us of who Christ is and, and why he came for us. Don't ever forget that. He came to rescue us. He came to redeem us. He came to restore us back to right relationship with God. So this, this sort of inexpressible joy is not something that can be placed under a tree. I promise you, abiding joy doesn't come from Target. It doesn't come from Amazon. It doesn't come from eBay. You type in abiding joy in your search bar on these websites, and I promise you, you're not going to find any of those products for sale. It's just not there. They might try to throw something your way that'll give you temporary happiness, but there's no abiding joy for sale in the world today. Our joy is found in someone that can't even be seen. But as Christians, even though we don't see Jesus, we love him, amen? And we have faith in him, amen? amen? Because we know that he's with us and his spirit abides with us. Amen. And through our relationship with and understanding of Jesus, we receive these, this gift of deep and abiding and resilient joy. It's the kind of joy that's really hard to, really hard to hide. Um, have you ever been so excited about something? So happy? It's just really hard to hold it inside. How many ever experienced that? Yeah. There's a little girl who on Christmas morning, she got this watch and it went tick, 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 a little watch. And she got some perfume too. And she went all around the house and all the relatives and the family that was there for Christmas morning. You hear my watch? You hear my watch? You smell my perfume? You smell my perfume? She was so excited about the gifts that she got. And she was really just annoying people with her watch sound and her perfume. And finally her mama pulled her aside and said, sweetheart, I mean, everybody got a bunch of gifts. I know you're really excited about it, but you really just need to kind of tamp it down a little bit and stop bothering so many people. And so the little girl kind of stifled it, and they gathered around for their dinner <clears throat> and uh, Christmas dinner, and they were all sitting around, and the little girl wanted so desperately to talk about her watch and her perfume. 
And, but she couldn't. She was trying to honor her mama and what she'd ask her not to do, not say anything. And so she'd make little motions like this every so often to kind of draw attention to herself, but not a word was said. And finally, she couldn't stand it any longer. At the end of, the, at the end of this big meal where everybody was sitting there full, you know what happens when you eat big meals, right? And you're sitting there at the table and she was sitting there and all of a sudden she just blurted it out. Listen, if anybody hears anything or smells anything, it's me. <laughs> I'll let you think about that one for just a second. <clears throat> That's kind of one of those ones that has to go around the room a little bit. And you go, oh, I see. Big meal, ear smell, got it. Yeah. Sometimes good news is just hard to, to keep to yourself. Among other things in our life, of course, as I just read. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. I want to look at this one more time, this little bit of, a, of what we just read. For the coming of the Messiah was first delivered to a small group of shepherds. Here's the shepherds. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. They're keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said, Don't be afraid. I bring good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. A Savior, his name is Messiah. He's the Lord, Jesus. This will be assigned to you. You'll find the babe wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Now think about it. It continues on to talk about how they went out to everybody and said, Hey, did you hear the news? They couldn't keep it to themselves. They didn't just sit there and talk to the sheep and say, Hey, sheep, guess what? They went and told everybody they could. And then they went to the manger itself. And there was baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph. And, and the, they enjoyed and they celebrated with them the birth of Jesus Christ. I just can't imagine the overwhelming and indescribable joy that these shepherds must have experienced. This was the good news that the nation had waited a generation and generations actually to, to hear. Think about it. For about 400 plus years, the prophets were silent. If you read the Old Testament, Jesus the Messiah actually was being prophesied throughout the, the generations, throughout hundreds and thousands of years really, that Jesus, the Messiah, would be born. This Messiah would be born. This, and then often 400 years of silence. No prophecies, nothing. And, and imagine the discouragement. Uh, imagine because in silence, how difficult that would be. You're constantly reminded, but all of a sudden, now you're not. And now those generations are dying away. And you're three, four, five, six generations of silence with no news of the Messiah being born. Discouragement. Sadness. Despair, I resign myself, this is not going to happen. Imagine, put yourself in that situation. I think we would all probably be in some level there in that. Then all of a sudden, bursting into the night sky was a bright light with angels proclaiming that 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 has been prophesied for thousands of years, all of the prophets of old, tonight is the night that it has begun. It's happening. The shepherds certainly knew what was going on. They knew exactly about the prophecies. They were waiting for their Messiah as well. Long-awaited Messiah. Certainly that good news is not anything that you would keep to yourself. And when's the last time you've had a chorus of angels show up at your place of, of residence and announce some great thing? I don't know if it's happened to any of us, but it certainly happened to these guys. And they're not going to keep it to themselves. Good news of great joy and good news travels fast. The people that were walking in darkness all of those years, all of those generations, were finally being introduced to the great light of the long 
promised Messiah. And the angel of the Lord rightly said that it was news, it was good. That news was good, and, and it would cause great joy. In fact, I'm just got to say this today. There's no better news that has ever been proclaimed in the world. Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, all of the rest of those news channels can say whatever they want to, but there's no greater news that has ever been proclaimed than the news I'm about ready to proclaim right now. Are you ready? There's no greater joy that can ever be experienced than that with the person of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is born today. He's alive today. He's the Savior today. He is risen today. He is saving us today. He's sanctifying us today. And He's coming back soon for us. That's some good news of great joy. Amen? So let's fast forward about 30 years and we know that Jesus began His ministry by teaching and preaching and healing as the crowds gathered to Him. Wherever he went, Matthew chapter four, verses 23 through 25 says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria. There's the good news. And people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed. And he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Wow. Imagine being there and watching all that happen and experiencing Jesus and these miracles and the teachings and just, just his presence. What great joy they must have had, these people, experiencing uh, what they heard Jesus teaching, this revolutionary teaching that he had and, and saw with their own eyes the miracles that he performed. But if you've ever read through the Gospels, you'll probably remember something funny, something kind of curious that happened. Jesus at times would minister to people, and he would oftentimes tell them after he healed them, after he delivered them, don't tell anybody this. Remember those times? You know, why, would, why wouldn't you want to say something? And oftentimes that same person that he told not to tell, what would they do? Tell everybody, right? Mark chapter 7, verse 36, Jesus says, commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. <laughs> and I don't think that they were being disobedient or, you know, ugly or any way or trying to sabotage him. They were just so excited about what happened. They couldn't contain it. And it probably was obvious. Hey, I thought you were paralyzed. You're walking. What happened? Well, I can't say anything. No, they had to say, you know. I thought you were a leper and your skin's all clean. What happened? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not allowed to tell. No, they said what they said because now I was blind. Now I can see. Once I was lame, now I can walk. Once I was deaf, now I can hear. I mean, you got to share the good news. There's a couple of thoughts that I have on this, though, because, and really this is another message for another Sunday, but I guess I want to call this a little mini bonus message. So put this aside, and here comes my thoughts on why he maybe said what he said. Uh, and let's kind of put ourselves in his shoes. I mean, who wouldn't want everyone to know what you've done? Think about it. If you were the guy going out and healing people and delivering people from demons, wouldn't you want to say, hey, man, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening? I mean, we've seen ministries actually like that where they kind of self-promote, you know? I don't know about that. I think there's a little bit of a pride factor, maybe a lot of pride factor. It's involved when people pat themselves on the back and set themselves up, promote themselves, 
look what I did. Look, the Bible says don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing, right? And the Bible says that as we give glory to the Lord and as we say, Lord, if this wasn't me, this was him, then those jewels, you know, on the crown, by the way, that we're going to cast at his feet. I imagine some of us, uh, we'll do something for the Lord and he puts a jewel in our crown and then we go tell somebody what we did and he's taking that jewel out. And I think for some of us, he's really busy doing that. Jewel on, jewel off. I think we need to be careful that our pride doesn't get in the way and they want to let people know, hey, they got healed because I prayed for them. Uh, you know, they, they, they're where they are today because of me. No, no. That's no humility in that at all. And God will not be replaced and better be careful. Walk in humility and don't take credit for anything that God has done. I also, maybe think about some of these ministries, big and small, your own ministry, and walk with the Lord. I would imagine, you know, if Jesus were like us, he might want to leverage those powerful moments for the most optimum exposure on social media and the like to build themselves up. Throw it on the website and say, man, this is an awesome thing. Come to this big event because what happened there? And then bring me some offerings, by the way, and let's, you know, that sort of stuff. Jesus didn't do any of that stuff. He stayed focused on doing his father's will. In fact, if you read, he moved away from the crowds quite often, didn't he? Uh, the crowds would gather around him and he'd go to a, a, an isolated place to spend time with his father. He, he, he moved away from the crowds. He moved away from the hype. He moved away from the self-promotion. He always was pointing people back to God. He was always glorifying the father. He wasn't trying to make a name for himself or to make himself look great. And I hope that we can learn from his example and walk in humility and stay focused on our mission as well. If we must ever boast, let's boast in Christ alone. Okay, sermonette finished. Let's move on. But these people that God, that Jesus healed, delivered, they, they couldn't help but tell others about the wonderful things Jesus did. I, and again, why couldn't they keep the news to themselves? I, I think they were just they're so excited. They were just overwhelmed with joy at the teaching, the preaching, the healing of Christ. In fact, that is the good news. It's the gospel. And it's still shared to this very day, and it's too good to keep hidden. You have the good news inside of you, and so do I. Folks, it's not about us. It's about Christ in us that we share this good news of great joy, which is for all people. If they're breathing, it's for them. No matter what their lifestyle choice, no matter how far away they may seem, the good news is for them. And I'm never going to condemn somebody that Jesus has died for. They may be walking in deception. They may be walking in sin. They may be as far away from, from God as we can ever imagine it looks like. But the Holy Spirit is right there with them. They're not far from God because the Holy Spirit's still ministering to them. I mean, the Holy Spirit's right there ministering to them. And who are we to say, oh, they can't ever be saved? Yes, they can. As long as they're breathing, they can be saved. Because the Lord can do some awesome stuff, just change people just like that, wake them up, bring them out of their deception. So it's not about anything about us, it's about Christ in us. And, and I just want to just encourage you to share this joy. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 is a very small verse, very short, two words. It says, rejoice always, or be joyful always. 
Rejoice always. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Remember that one? Yeah. It's an old song from the, an old chorus from way back when. It doesn't say, by the way, keep that scripture up there for just a second. Does it say uh, rejoice based on your circumstances? No. No. No, it doesn't say that. Does it say rejoice occasionally? It does, right? Occasionally? No. How about rejoice when you feel like it? No? Man. How about rejoice when things are going well? Yeah? Are you sure? Because we all the time are acting out this like, hey, I'm going to rejoice based on my circumstances. I'm going to rejoice occasionally. I'm going to rejoice when I feel like it. I'm going to rejoice when things are going well. No, it says rejoice always. <clears throat> so how do you do that? I, listen, I'm preaching, I'm preaching to myself this morning because I get this. I mean, this is not easy. But it's, it's necessary. And usually the hard things are the right things, right? right? So, and just to clarify, what does the word rejoice mean? I mean, it, it, it's a root of joy in there somewhere. So, so what does rejoice mean? Here's the definition of it. And put that, uh, put that definition up there. I think I wrote it. It says, joy, rejoice means to feel or to show great joy or delight. That's what rejoice means is to feel or to show great joy and delight. So rejoice. In other words, I'm going to feel or show great delight and joy always. Oh, that's so hard. Why are you making me do this, God? Because sometimes I just want to be grumpy. <laughs> I just want to complain. I just want to be angry. Sometimes I just don't feel like it. So what this is saying is that in every adversity, through every trial, in the midst of all of our tribulation, we're encouraged to rejoice. Again, it's a fruit of the Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit in us is joyful when we don't want to be joyful. <laughs> and so we just say, all right, Holy Spirit, I'm going to draw from the well of who you are and let that joy overflow out from me. Not based on my circumstances, not based on even how I feel, but based on who you are. Because my relationship, my joy is based on the person and relationship of Jesus Christ in my life. It's not based on our circumstances. It's not based on how many presents we get, how perfect things may be, because those things will change. Those things are undependable, folks. You know that. Those things are momentary. And they will all one day end up in the landfill, either literally or figuratively. Real joy today, lasting joy, complete joy is based upon and grounded in our relationship with Jesus Christ. James 1, 2 encourages us by saying, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. In fact, the apostles rejoiced in Acts 5.41 after they had been beaten for preaching the good news of Jesus. No good deed is left unpunished. It says because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. That's why they rejoiced. They counted worthy for the suffering disgrace for the name. Of Jesus Christ. You may be wondering how in the world can these people rejoice in suffering? How can they look into the face of adversity and consider it pure joy? The answer, of course, is Jesus, a relationship with him. Jesus today brings us great joy. His presence, his finished work, his power, his forgiveness, his life in us produces joy unspeakable and full of glory. Nehemiah 8.10 tells us of our source of strength in all of our challenging times <clears throat> is the joy of the Lord. 
It says, in, Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice foods and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I want you to say that with me. Say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Say it again. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Turn to someone and say, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Say it again. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, when you and I can't, when you and I can pause for just a moment and we can evaluate our hearts, I, I wonder how many of us would say that we truly rejoice in our adversity. I know that I don't quite often. Is that our go-to? Do we rejoice or, or do we... I don't know, complain. Do we rejoice or are we fearful? Do we rejoice or maybe do we get discouraged? You know, when we, when we look around and wonder where God is in our circumstances, how many ever wonder if God is even in your circumstances? Where is he? I know I have. God, where are you? Folks, he's there. He's with you. He's never left you. And he'll carry you to the heights where he is. Psalm 1611 encourages us, it says, Lord, you will show me the path of life and in your presence where you are is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. It's in his presence. It's in his presence that we can experience this abiding and real and lasting joy. Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19 helps us show where to fix our gaze. And this may be describing you today. I want you to put yourself in a 2021 modern version of what this is described as. It says, though the fig tree, fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines. In other words, though things aren't going well for you right now, it may seem like that you're getting kind of lack in some areas and so you're struggling in certain areas. Though there's not a lot of fruit. There's not a lot of produce. There's not a lot of blessing necessarily. Though the olive crops fail and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet, important word right there, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. In other words, above my circumstances. I'm not going to let this stuff get me down because Jesus hasn't changed. His joy is my strength. Happiness comes and goes. Presents fade and pass on to the next thing. During seasons in my life, things may come and go. I may have ups and downs, but Jesus is my constant. He is my joy. He's my strength at all times, and I will abide in his presence. Happiness comes and goes, but joy remains as we rejoice. What does rejoice mean again? Feel great delight and show great delight in Christ, our Savior and our Lord. And believe me when I say that Jesus understands suffering today. He does. He knows what you're going through. He suffered. He understands the times and the seasons in your life when it's difficult to rejoice. This is all Part of being human. I don't know about you. I'm looking around here today. I don't see any robots or aliens. We're all human beings here today. We're all in the same boat, in the same category, and Jesus understands your sufferings and your struggles today. During the darkest part of King David's life, 
David, King David wrote in Psalm 51, verses 10 through 12, this plea that, that I hope it will resonate with you today. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Listen to this. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. There's something about joy. There's something about joy that brings us out above our circumstances and helps us to keep our eyes fixed on him, the author and the finisher of our faith. And he helps to carry us through as we rest in his joy and allow his joy to become our strength. It's okay today, folks, to need God's help. In fact, if someone like King David needed it, then I can guarantee you that we will too. Joy is available to all of us, his joy. Sometimes it seems more accessible than other times, but remember this today, that the life of faith is a marathon, it's not a sprint. We're in this thing for the long haul today, folks. There can and will be long seasons where the journey is difficult, and there will also be some wonderful times of indescribable joy and excitement. So my encouragement to you today to you all is to rejoice always. Say that with me. Rejoice always. Ah, help us to do that, Lord. And help us to count everything as joy. Everything. Even the difficult stuff. Even in the seasons when it's a struggle. Even when adversity finds its way to your doorstep today. There's no amount of difficulty or trouble that can steal Christ from you if we don't let it. And if we guard our hearts because you are Christ's and Christ is yours. Sometimes we wonder why the Lord seemingly doesn't answer us when we ask him why. But maybe the reason why he doesn't answer is because he is the answer. He's the answer to every question. Why? Jesus is there. Sometimes he doesn't owe us an explanation. Probably a better thing to ask is not why, but what? Because why is implied that we're all going to go through stuff, but how about what? Like, what should I learn from this about myself? What should I learn about your nature in this? What? Because it's a growing opportunity for us. Amen? So the best Christmas ever is a cause for great joy. If material possessions could give deep and abiding joy, then why aren't all the millionaires and billionaires the most happy and positive bunch on this planet Earth? They're not. If joy could be purchased from Walmart or Amazon and delivered to your front door, then why doesn't everyone have it? If indescribable joy could be found in the likes and follows uh, on, on your social media and digital friends, th then why aren't all the social influencers teaching the rest of us courses on how to get it? I'm pretty sure we all know the answer, and yet many of us keep looking in all these same old places for joy. Stop. It'll never be found in those things. You're wasting your time. I encourage you today, look to Jesus. That's why, Christmas, that's why the Christmas season is such a special time of year. Now, the presents and the potlucks, the family gatherings, they're great. But deep down, we know that the most wonderful and amazing part of Christmas is the opportunity to refocus our energies on what matters most. Amen? During Christmas, we remember who Christ is and why he came for us. 
We have eternal hope in the promises of God made alive in Christ. We have unshakable hope and unshakable peace in Christ who I believe is going to return for his church very soon. And we have this gift of deep and abiding and resilient joy through our love for Christ and understanding of who he is. I'm so thankful that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. He's our great high priest. He's the prince of peace. He's our wonderful counselor. He's the friend of sinners. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. And he knows what it means to suffer. You know, there's many of us here today who, like King David, need to ask for help this year. I'm not so naive as to think that maybe this morning you've not walked in here and you're struggling with something. And it's okay to ask for help, by the way. We don't need to be islands or stoic, put on a good front. It's all right to be vulnerable. It's all right to be authentic. It's all right to be in need. It's all right to ask for help because Jesus already, Jesus already knows your struggles. He already knows what you're going through. And he's here today. And he's saying, would you come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and let me give you rest, cast your burdens upon me because... My yoke is easy and my burden is light and I'll carry that heavy burden for you and in place of that burden, I'll give you joy. How many needs that joy this morning? Would you stand with me this morning? And let's bow our heads in prayer and I want to ask as Chris is coming up. <clears throat> okay, as Matthew's coming up. Everybody bow your heads and close your eyes and I'm going to ask the folks that are on the prayer team to come up and I just want to invite you this morning as Matthew's play a little on the guitar here just to kind of create a little moment of worship and focus but as your eyes are closed and heads bowed and you're at home as well as you're standing wherever you are and you're engaged in this maybe you're struggling maybe the reason you're not here today is because you're struggling you're struggling with all this COVID stuff and you're afraid to be in a room with people you're just lonely. You're, you're, you're struggling in certain ways. I, I don't know. But it's all right to struggle. It's all right to be in need. It's all right wherever you are today, here, viewing. If you're struggling in some way and you're feeling discouraged today, if you're feeling this weariness and this heaviness, I, I want to invite you to come and lay your burdens down right here at this altar. There's nothing special about these steps. They're just carpet and wood, just like where you're standing. But something about moving out from your seat and coming up and, and making that step towards Christ. And as you take one step towards Him, He'll make a million steps towards you just like that. He's already has His arms extended saying, won't you just lay your burdens at my feet? If you're struggling <clears throat> today <clears throat> and, and struggling with this whole season, maybe, maybe Christmas is a really kind of a depressing time for you because you, you know you're supposed to be joyful and yet you're struggling to be joyful because of past experiences or what you're going through and every time Christmas comes around here you are again having to put on a happy face get along with the program now, let's be authentic before the Lord it's alright to be real it's alright to be discouraged and frustrated and depressed and anxious and all of that that's part of being human what's not alright is to go out with those very things that I just described and still keep living those things out Allowing those things to control you and to burden you and to navigate your life and make you who, who you don't need to be and who Christ hasn't made you to be. <clears throat> He's here to be your burden bearer today. 
<clears throat> so I want to encourage you today. Instead of walking out that way without laying those things at his feet, how about walking up this way and laying them at his feet and saying, Lord, I need you. I need your joy. I need that, that joy that's not based on my circumstances, not based on how I feel. I, I need your joy. That, that deep, abiding, resilient joy that only comes from you and my relationship with you. So I just invite you. Won't you just come on down as I'm extending this invitation? And if you're struggling in some way, it's all right. Every person in here has struggled or is struggling. All of us are part of the human race. Jesus knows that, and that's why he came, that he might rescue us, that he might carry our burdens for us, that he might replace your anxiety and your sorrow and give you lasting, resilient, beautiful joy. If that's what you need this morning, I invite you to the front as Matthew just plays a little bit. Slip on out and come to the front and lay your burdens at the feet of Jesus. Hallelujah. We need your joy, Lord. We lay it at your feet. Hallelujah. People are coming up, and if you feel so led and you want to come up and pray with some of these people, please do so. Hallelujah. Oh, we come up here laying these things at your feet. We need your joy unspeakable and full of glory. These altars are continuing to be open. Please come up as the Holy Spirit is drawing you. Again, if you want to pray with someone, come on, church. Let's be the church this morning. Uh, there's no what. Uh, there's no important, more important thing that we can do right now than to meet with the Lord. I mean, we've laid it out. The invitation is here. If there's some people that are here. There's a couple of ladies here. If you feel led, I would encourage you to please come up and just join with them. Just pray, pray with them. You don't have to say anything out loud. Just come up and put your hand on them. Let's pray for one another today. Yeah. The Lord's just doing some work. I want everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. I mean, we're looking around. There's no reason to because the Lord's doing business in your life right now. I promise you, if he's doing a work in your heart right now, there's something about stepping out and coming up that's going to break some, some bondage in your life, some stronghold, some, some, some things that have got you bound. And I just want to encourage you, if you feel like, I need to come up, but... I'm afraid of what people are going to think. Who cares what anybody thinks? What they're going to think is, congratulations, you've broken through and you're coming to the foot of the cross where you can lay your feet, uh, lay, lay, lay the things, your burdens at the feet of Jesus. That's what they're going to be saying. The old devil's just telling you right now, don't go up. You're too busy. You're too prideful. You're too worried about what people think. You're too this, whatever. Let it go. We're just here. We're all just human beings, part of the body of Christ. And we're all just one blind beggar showing we're all the... Other blind beggars are where the food is. That's all it is. Nobody's more important than anybody else. And these altars are open. But close your eyes, bow your heads, and let's all pray together. Lord God, we thank you that you've given us 
the joy that we need, and many times we don't tap into it, maybe because that's the way we're wired, could be certainly because of our circumstances. We just don't feel like it. We don't feel like being joyful, but rejoicing in you is an act of our will sometimes. It's not based on what we see. It's not based on our experiences. It's not based on the idyllic life that will never happen for us. Ideally, we want things to be perfect. They will never be perfect. But Lord, we thank you that you in us are perfecting us and that through these situations that we face in our lives, that we can rejoice in you, that we can lay those things at your feet that are bigger than us, but not bigger than you. And we can, instead of walking around in sorrow and discouragement and anxiety and anger and depression and all these things, we can make a choice to rejoice. Help us to make a choice to rejoice. Help us to choose to be joyful in you, that we would bless 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 you, that we would thank you, that we would worship you, that we would acknowledge you. Or maybe we've come into this place and Christmas season rolls around and it's just kind of depressing for us for some reason. Past experiences, loss of loved ones, circumstances that, that tend to be magnified here at the Christmas season that are not healthy, they're not helpful, and they bring us down. Lord, we don't want to be sad and, 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 and depressed and, and sorrowful and, and lonely. Lord, help us to give all that to you and to see Christmas through the eyes of a child. Again, your word says if we come to you, we need to come like little children. Help us to do that. There's something out of the little kids just just look at Christmas so innocently in so many ways. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to get back to that heart of a child and seeing you that way too. And seeing the season, not for the trappings and the hype that this world makes it, but it has nothing to do with Rudolph or Santa or the Grinch. It has everything and all to do with you and you alone. Father, help us to recalibrate our hearts and our thinking and our posture and our energies back to celebrating you this Christmas and as we do that joy will come that joy will, will, will be will rise up again and all the sedimentary layers that have been packed on top of it right now I pray that you'd wash that away Lord God all of the past hurts all of the sorrow all of the stuff father we just we just lay it at your feet wash that off clean it off Lord God and let the joy in our hearts that is of you radiate like a beacon in us and out from us to spill over, to overflowing to others. And let that joy be our strength. Let the joy of the Lord be our strength. Let it be joy unspeakable and full of glory. Let it be that good news of great joy in our lives first so that it can be for others that good news of great joy. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. And we ask these things, Lord, in your name. Amen.